0: Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show today. It seems like uh, we are having, I think I am going to get rid of that echo. I hope the echo is now gone. Great. We are in business. The show is ready to go. Anyhow, folks, welcome to Politics Done Right. We are going to have a great show for you today. Uh, look, uh, the 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 new report, is out the new jobs report is out for all of those who have been really slamming what has happened the economy biden bidenomics all these things bidenomics is all bad all the monies that the that we put into the economy is all bad we're going to talk about it Anyhow, welcome. Michael Rodden is in the house. Eric Hayes is in the house. Yvette Avery Herod is in the house. Uh, Carol Carol Sanders is in the house. Bridge MCP says we're sounding good. How are you doing, Bridge? Great to see you, my dear lady. Uh, What else have we got here? What else have we got here? What else? Who else have we got in the house with me? Uh, Did I see any more? If I missed you, please forgive me. E2247 as well is in the house. Lee Grant is in the house. Eric Hayes is in the house. A lot of us are in the house already. Okay, let's get busy. PBS Hour from Michael Rodden. On October 3rd, Trump said migrants are, quote, poisoning the blood of our country. Ruth Benjiat, historian, said that language that Trump is using, talking about migrants, echoes language used in Nazi propaganda when Adolf Hitler actually said that Jewish people and migrants were, quote, Causing a blood poisoning, end quote, of Germany. This article outlines a pattern uh, behavior of violent fascist rhetoric, poisoning the blood of our country, blood and soil. There is no difference. Yes, yes, but we always knew that about Trump and they continue to do it. Remember, we will not be replaced. We will not be replaced. All these things are to put the fear of people, put the fear that somebody is coming to this country, that some people in this country are there taking away your birthrights. Don't fall for it, my brothers and sisters. Don't fall for it. It is when the plutocracy is about to fail, when the plutocracy is realizing that people are smartening themselves up, and they're going to take it no more. They won't allow the few to take advantage of the many. Anyway, uh, Bridge McP says, so Biden is flying Venezuelans directly to their country and adding to border wall. Hmm. Stupid, 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 stupid. You're right, Bridge. I mean, it makes no sense, right? I mean, uh, the, 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 the thing about it is we don't have a coherent policy. What we need is somebody who is not fearful in, in, in accepting that the American population is intelligent, if they have intelligent people speaking to them and if they have enough of it, if it, enough people saying it, what Republicans have long realized is they don't need to tell the truth. They don't need to be accurate. They don't need to be factual. They just need to be repetitious and give plausibility to the arguments that they are given without any pushback, without any constant pushback. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit. After we talk about the economy. Continuing. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Eric Hayes says, Steve Jobs, I believe very strongly that if the country gave each parent a voucher for $4,400 that they could only spend at any accredited school, several things would happen. Number one, schools would would start marketing themselves like crazy to get students. Secondly, I think you'd see a lot of new schools starting. I've suggested as an example, if you go to Stanford Business School, they have a public policy track. They could start a school administrator track. You could get a bunch of people coming out of college, trying up the some uh, someone out of business school. They could be starting their own school. You could get 25-year-old students out of college, very idealistic, full of energy, instead of started at Silicon Valley company, they'd start a school. I believe that they would do better than any or any public school. The third thing you see is, I believe is the quality of schools just in a competitive marketplace start to rise. Some of our schools would go broke. A lot of the schools would go broke. There's no question about it. It would be rather painful for the first several years, but far less painful, I think, than the kids going through the system uh, as it right now. The biggest complaint, of course, is that schools would pick off the good students and the bad students would be left uh, to wallow together in private schools or remnants of private schools. To me, that's like saying, well, the car manufacturers are going to make BMWs and Mercedes and nobody's going to make $10,000 a car. I think the most uh, hotly competitive market right now is a $10,000 car market. Let me tell you something. That sounds good in theory. Any capitalist will tell you that. A capitalist will tell you, go ahead and put money into the marketplace. You know, let the student go around with the money. And somehow, magically, what's going to happen magically is that that money that we give per student is going to competitively create good schools. No, it will do many things as we've seen because we have examples to look at already you know, uh, the the good thing about it is we didn't need to do these experiments. But for those people who don't believe in science, you need to do experiments. All you have to do is look at the charter school system, the schools where people take their money and go to school. The charter school systems are no different than the public school systems. In fact, they are worse than the public school systems if if uh, you look at it in the aggregate. And the reason why is uh, first of all, the for-profit schools go to the most least common denominator. Pay your teachers as little as possible, and not only that, and and do whatever is necessary to give the impression that your school is good. And since according to the capitalist mantra, it's an efficient reallocation of resources so that the stockholders and the, the shareholders and the executives can maximize their profits, that will always be done at the expense of the kids. You get, you get things to seem like kids are doing fine to maximize the profit of the others. Certain things do not belong in the private sector. Education is one of those. Let me tell you, first of all, since we, like I said, Job's experiment has already been done and failed, but we always knew it would fail. The definition of capitalism says that given money to parents to put their schools in the to put them their kids in the most probable school for them must fail and the reason it must fail compared to a public school is the profit motive and the maximization of profit and the constant requirement in a capitalist system for growth growth stockholder growth stockholder profits by definition it must fail if you doubt it, look at our healthcare system. By definition, it has failed. The reason people have deductibles and they have to do all these, these things to try to get health care, and that if they can't find I mean the, the reason the healthcare system is the way it is right now, is because of profit maximization for the for the shareholder, et cetera. It is a failure for things that are of, of the public interest. They should never, ever form a part of the for-profit system. So Steve Jobs is a capitalist. Steve Jobs was absolutely wrong. Steve Jobs is a billionaire. Uh, Bill Gates is a billionaire. Uh, Jay-Z is a billionaire. And they see all things through capital. Unfortunately, though the things that they support where it comes to the public are all failures, no doubt about it. Continuing with this, but thank you for bringing that up, uh, Eric. I think that was an important thing for us to expand on. so I want everybody listening to me right now to understand the the following: uh, private school systems inherently in the aggregate will fail. The Harvards and the Princetons and these guys succeed because they are an elitist school designed and made for elites, okay. That's it. They will always because, again, it is made and designed for elites. All right. Continuing. Let's continue. So anyway, Steve Jobs was absolutely wrong. Um Bridge MCP says, Michael Rodden, Lee Grant, you you think the appropriations bill uh, from 2019 is outside of Biden's control? But no, Biden sold off the materials that were paid before by the bill, meaning there's less money for the xenophobes' uh, southern border vanity project. Michael Rodden says, Newsweek, Joe Biden sold off border wall materials uh, weeks before approving the new wall. The Biden administration has been selling off materials that were supposed to be used to construct barriers at the border with Mexico. Just days before it approved the construction of the new 20 mile stretch. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, I don't understand it. The only thing I can see if they may want that, they did that for the purpose of failure. We'll see, to delay, to, to just use it to delay that, you know. Because Americans are fooled about the border, let's fool them, build it, and move it from from there. Okay. Michael Rodney says, I'm kind of glad that Lee Grant mentioned the southern border wall. Too, far too many conservatives have a xenophobic trait. Makes me initial commentary all the more poignant. Uh, Shiva Las Vegas, welcome. Uh, Carl Sanders, welcome. All right, let's see what else we got. British MCP said, three hours of plumbing and I darn well broke the drain. Pipe at the very end. I hate plumbing. That's why I don't do it. I pay somebody, and you know what? <laughs> uh, it usually costs me less to pay somebody. I buy that insurance, plumbing insurance, and I say, okay, screwed up your time. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Daniel Lado says some people would pay you to. Uh, I-, I won't even go there. All right, let's see. Uh, we got British MCP says, Michael, I've done a lot of plumbing, even installed a toilet. Changing a sink and faucets is easy, but this one has never been touched in 16 years. Having a house, you save a lot doing things yourself. You're absolutely right about that, Bridge. Uh If you can do it, and evidently you can. So power to you, girl. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Lee Grant says, here's a taste of reality. Powering an upcoming $4 billion electric uh, vehicle battery factory in Kansas will require a nearby coal-fired power plant to stay active. I don't doubt that. Until until we build enough uh, renewables, we're going to have to use what we have. So Lee Grant, you're absolutely right about that. So what's... Oh, wait, I don't know that you're right about that. Well, I I don't know. I think if we really wanted to, at the same time we're building that four billion dollar electric power plant, we could actually build some uh, renewables if we so cho- wanted to. Now, capitalism says the following, right? Uh, we have to be able to amortize the cost of those those cells, etc., whatever kind of renewables we have over time. But if we had a government investment into that to save save the economy, the government could build the plant, and provide the electricity at an amortized cost. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. But, you know, of course, if the government decide to build a plant, which, you know, it wouldn't be a deficit spending, would be an investment, nobody's going to look at it that way. In other words, here's what I'm saying. If the government prints money, if the government prints money, uh, I, I would look at that one, uh, Michael. Thank you for sending me that. If, a, if the government prints money, to build a solar plant, was money really, uh, was money really printed or did we go from one form of investment to another? And that's what people need to understand. We could, the government has unlimited resources to go build power plants and all these things. They can They don't even have to borrow the money to do it. They could just do it, all right? They could just do it. But you know what? They just need to put it on the ledger. They just need to do it. The real the real thing about it is that the, the private sector wants every everything to be a, a, a for profit. And because of that, the government doesn't do things that it could just go out and do. All right. Let's see. Here's a uh, let's see what else we got here. But he says they're teaching in schools, not indoctrinating. History is just what it is. Exactly. Exactly right. All right. What else we got here? E-2247, last 170 Congress saw introduction of Companion Bills, Indigenous People Day Act, uh, both Dine in Committee House uh, Oversight. It always does, E-2247. It always does. All right, let's see. Macaron says, Egberto, if you want to understand what Biden selling off the border material means, I'd recommend Bo, the fifth column for after the live stream. Thank you for that. I will listen to that. I, I hadn't done any research on the sell-off or actually I didn't know about the sell-offs. For thank you for bringing that up. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Maywood says, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, Maywood. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Daniel Lado says, OK, don't know what you're saying there. Anyway. Let's go ahead. Uh, Today we had all those people have been complaining about the Biden's economy, but it keeps on chunking along. Remember, it was supposed to be in a recession, of course, because in effect, without saying anything, Biden instituted Keynesian economics as well as modern monetary theory. It has proven that absent the gorgion that was done by the corporatocracy, meaning. Uh, their, 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 their greed and necessity to force inflation on us without the government checking that i would have I would have told them. Every bit above uh, above a certain limit is coming right back into the government coffers. I would have taxed that profit right back out of them into the into the into the government. uh, If I if I were if I were in power, of course, because, again, what they are, you know, we like to look at thieves out there in the streets. Right. We look at thieves and we 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 say, oh, they're picking your pockets. They took they took a gum from a store. They 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 picked a woman's pocket and took ten dollars. That's evil what they've done. Yes. And yes, it is. But you know what is even more evil when a corporation just raises taxes, I mean, raises prices just so that uh, they can take that extra rise in price and give it to their shareholders, give it to the executive as bonus. There's nothing different between that theft and the the theft of somebody uh, picking your pocket. But actually, that theft is worse because it goes across the board and it really taxes everybody. That is the worst kind of theft. What the plutocracy does. That is the worst theft. Okay? Now, um, I, I see I, I tell you what, let's go ahead and play uh let's go ahead and play this piece. Uh let's let me set it up first. Joe Biden have been attacked for his policies. Now we want Joe Biden to have even more progressive policies. But he has been much more progressive than we thought. He's instituted good form of Keynesian economics with a touch of MMT. And as such, the economy that all these economists claim was going into recession or would have gone into recession, it's not going into recession. It's zooming up. A lot of people getting employed. And inflation when left to scarcity or not has been fairly stable. In fact, guess what has started happening again? As as the gas comp the gas thugs, the, the petroleum thugs try to raise the price of a barrel of gas, get a barrel of oil, guess what started to happen? People started to react, and now oil prices are dropping again. Even as Saudi Arabia have taken several million barrels off the market because Americans are smart enough. They're saying we are going to do we are going to have take a little bit more control. So now Biden took control in the way we instituted a form of Keynesian and MMT in in the way we place money. And now we got to reproduce it, of course, because uh, on October 1st, a lot of people lost some benefits that are imperative. But anyhow, 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 as it turns out. The jobs report come out today and it doubles what they expected it to be. I want you to listen to Biden's uh, victory lap because it made it, 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 you know, it made me happy to see him say this. But you're going to have the naysayers who over and over and over again have gotten it wrong to try to come up with, well, here we go again. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side.
1: The economy created three hundred thirty six thousand jobs in September alone. That means since I've taken office, we've created 13.9 million new jobs. You heard me say it before, I'm going to keep saying it. My dad had an expression. He said, Joey, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay and mean it. Well, 336,000 more Americans, if they have children, can say that to their children and mean it. The unemployment rate has stayed below 4% for 20 months in a row, the longest stretch in 50 years. We've achieved a 70-year low in unemployment rate for women record lows in unemployment for African-Americans and Hispanic workers and people with disabilities, folks who have been left behind in previous recoveries and left behind for too long. We have the highest share of working-age Americans in the workforce in 20 years. and It's no accident, it's Bidenomics. We're growing the economy from the middle out, the bottom up, not the top down. And inflation is coming down at the same time. It's down 60% since last summer. Core inflation was just 2.2% over the past three months. And now we have the lowest inflation of any major economy in the world. Today, we're celebrating National Manufacturing Day, we didn't name it that it was already National Manufacturing Day, but it seems appropriate. I can think of no better way to mark the occasion than to thank the 13 million Americans who are in manufacturing jobs as we speak. They're restoring our pride, making things in America. And today I want to highlight that of those 13 million manufacturing jobs, 815,000 of those jobs were created since I took office, twice as many as the previous administration. And report we learned earlier this week that spending on construction for new factories being built to generate more economic growth and jobs hit an all time high last month. Folks, Bidenomics is about investing in America and investing in American workers, and businesses are investing more in manufacturing than ever before, and bringing the supply chains home. Before the pandemic, supply chains was a phrase most people didn't even associate with, didn't think much about. And, uh, but today, after a few uh, delays in availability of parts and products everyone has known about, they know why it's so important. My economic plan is bringing supply chains home and investing in industries of the future so we can make things in America again with American workers. We're creating good jobs, In communities all across the country, including in places that have been left behind for the last, in some cases, 20 years, because the factories they used to work at for years and years shut down, leaving them with no options, no jobs in that community, all over the Midwest and all over the Northeast. That under Bidenomics, you won't have to leave home now to get a good job. I don't know how many times I heard and out on the road, people saying my kid came up to me, got a decent education in the state, came up to me and said, Mom, I got to leave. no jobs. No jobs well, you're gonna be able to find a good job close to home more and more all across America. We're also making sure the jobs we're creating offer workers a free and fair right if they choose to join a union, to form a union. Bidenomics is leading the surge in unionized workers exercising their collective bargaining rights. For example, our, our clean school bus program under the bipartisan infrastructure law is replacing dirty diesel buses with clean electric buses so children getting on and off those buses can bring clean air, not diesel fuel. We're encouraging the companies building those buses to allow their employees to unionize if the employees choose. And it's working. We saw in Georgia when at Blue, workers at Bluebird, the electric school bus manufacturing company that's receiving federal funds, voted to unionize because that was their choice. The Treasury Department laid out recently in a major report that unions and collective bargaining are good for the economy overall. They help raise wages, not only for the workers in that factory, but for everyone, whether or not they're a union, whether or not you belong to a union. And they also increase, uh, 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 excuse me, they also increase corporate uh, (laughs) growth. And today's job report is just another example of what it looks like when we focus on building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down while bringing deficits down at the same time. You know just this summer, I signed a strong bipartisan law where I shook hands with the former speaker, and uh we passed in the House and the Senate as well to cut spending by one trillion dollars over the next ten years. Unfortunately, last weekend, Republican House members decided they were going to put that progress in jeopardy. Instead of honoring that commitment they made, they once again brought us to the brink of a government shutdown, creating unnecessary instability and risk in order to secure more extreme cuts and programs that help working Americans and seniors. Cuts that would have hurt everyone from you know, hurt U.S. manufacturing, would have stymied the pay of military people, a whole range of things. They tried cutting funding by 30 percent for small businesses, which are growing under our administration, for local manufacturers, for manufacturing extension partnership program that that helps small and medium sized manufacturers attract and train workers and grow their businesses. But we stopped them. Quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of Republicans in the House saying they want to cut the deficit when all they really want to do is once again cut taxes for the very wealthy and big corporations, which will only add to the deficit. When I was able to cut the federal debt by $1.7 trillion over that first two years, well, remember what we were talking about. Those 50 corporations that made $40 billion weren't paying a penny in taxes. Well, guess what? We made them pay 30%. 15% in taxes, 15%. Nowhere near what they should pay. And guess what? We're able to pay for everything, and we end up with an actual surplus. You know, it's not about, that's not what the economy needs right now, more tax cuts for the wealthy. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We've cut the deficit by over $1 trillion since we've taken office. The laws that I sign will cut it by another $1 trillion over the next 10 years and my budget would cut it by another $2.5 trillion over 10 years. Here's the deal. The federal debt went up by 50% under my predecessor, in part because he passed a $2 trillion tax cut overwhelmingly skewed to the very wealthy and large corporations. I believe we should be reducing the deficit by making sure that the wealthy and large corporations can just pay their fair share. I'm not going to pay 90%. Just pay their fair share by cutting wasteful spending on special interests like big oil, all the money they made and paid so little in taxes. Big pharma, same thing. You know, we just gave the American public a real gift in terms of not gift, but fairness in terms of what they have to pay for insulin and what they're going to have to pay for other things. Well, guess what? That also cut the federal debt. Cut the federal debt. For example, over 1,000 billionaires in this country and I know you're going to hear me say this until I'm able to change it. You know what their average rate of pay, the federal tax rate is? 8%. 8%. I think you should be able to be a trillionaire, a billionaire, a zillionaire if you want, but pay your taxes for God's sake. Pay some fair enemy or somebody approaching a fair tax. That's less than a teacher or a firefighter or a cop. Pays in their taxes, That's just wrong. Look, House Republicans should put us back, in a, shouldn't put us back in a crisis mode again. And we have only 40 days for Congress to get back to work, they're on the same House Republicans on recess now, to fund the government, avoid a shutdown, and protect the tremendous gains American workers have made over the past two and a half years. Shutdown would mean troops don't get paid, air traffic controllers wouldn't get paid, There'd be all kinds of problems at airports, loans to small businesses would be delayed, and closing some of them. It's time to stop fooling around. House Republicans, it's time for you to do your job, continue our progress, growing the economy, investing in America, investing in American people. So let's get to work for the American people. They're waiting and they're watching. We've got to get to work. Thank you all very much.
0: Absolutely. Uh folks need to get serious. So again, the economy is doing just fine. The work uh people are getting jobs. That is not to say that there are not people struggling. And that is where uh I think President Biden, the media and others have failed. They haven't failed. They have allowed the right the, the, the lies and the misinformation for the right to cauterize into the people's psyche. And in doing so, they have had an effect. The good thing that they haven't had an effect on yet is to stop people from participating in the economy. Uh, if you take a look at the jobs report, which we're going to have another feature in that in a little bit, you will see that a lot is actually uh, that people are still positive on their own personal economies. They're still positive uh, positive on their friends' people economy uh, personal economies because that's their surrounding. And they're going to the bars. They're going to the restaurants. That's why the economy is still flourishing. They're doing all the things one does in a vibrant economy. Even as uh, the the right has spent billions. Talking an economy down and messing with the psyches of people it is our job to go out there and inform and inform accurately and that's what we will do anyway before i get any further i want to bring up what tom c has to say but before i get to tom C, I want to tell you that there will not be a ask egberto anything this saturday it will be the next saturday why I have a, 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 a Houston Peace and Justice Center activity that I've got to go to again. So we're going to skip it this week and we're going to postpone it by one week. So please, uh, I haven't changed a sign up yet for the date, but I'll modify that date uh, after the show. Please, somebody drop me a line at what, as well. Anyhow, Tom says, per CNN today, great jobs report is bad news for most Americans due to high interest rates and inflation. In, is this a valid analysis? Your response. Thank you for asking that question, brother Tom C. It's amazing. Uh, Any time, and I I've, I've, I've have clips of me saying this uh, on other programs. You know an economy is a failure if whenever the middle class and the poor gets a raise, meaning wages go up, whenever whenever we have more close to full employment, you hear the capitalist class saying, that is bad. Because it means higher inflation, that is bad because it means that the employer is going to be out more wages. I want you to think about the pathology behind that statement. In other words, the the reverse or or rather the converse, not reverse, but the converse of that is to say a good economy for the capitalist uh, is only good if we have a certain amount of the population in pain a certain pop, a percentage of the population in abject poverty and also that we ensure that the masses are just paid a pittance and how do we know that's true when the old, when uh biden and started to infl- infuse the economy with cash, so, and how do you infuse the economy with cash? Child care, which means there were more child care businesses coming into fruition. More kids could go to uh, to child care, which means more parents could go to work. What that meant is, it, while wages still went up because you had more, you, you had a lot more jobs, a lot and people chasing after these jobs, uh, but prices didn't go up. Ridiculously high. In other words, I could sell my services for a bit more, but not ridiculously high because of excessive demand. There was no real scarcity. So therefore, what happened is a lot more people went into the economy. Efficiency also went up. A lot more – so everything worked right as we implemented Keynesian economics along with MMT. That's what it is. And I heard what you said, Lee Grant. I know the difference between fiscal policy and monetary policy, and there is a confluence that one has to acknowledge, and that is monetary policy – I mean, modern monetary monetary theory exists in that rather – fiscal policy actually exists to effect whatever type of monetary policy there is so i get it perfectly sir but that is for another technical term okay that's for another technical thing anyway so so let let's let's get this straight let's get this very straight so as it turns out the the re- we did an experiment under the uh the pandemic type spending Huge spending that we could never have done, absent a pandemic, we could not have done that kind of spending. But what we proved is one: there is, in fact, slack in the economy, as MMT talks about. If if you go to uh uh, what's her name? Uh, Elizabeth, not Elizabeth. Um, I'll remember her name in live the Economist. As she pointed out, there is slack in the economy at that time. There was about an eight hundred billion dollar. Per year slack in the economy. When Biden spent $2 trillion, it wasn't spent in one year, it was spent over several years. Okay? So we had slack. Thank you, Stephanie Kelton is her name. Uh, so we had this slack in the economy. The slack in the economy was there, and we have proven that it's that's correct. When inflation went up, it was a choice companies made. They saw that people had more liquid assets in their, in their pocket, more money. People had more money. The plutocracy made the concerted effort to say, if I know you have more money, I can raise the prices and you will still buy the product. That is the deficiency of a capitalist structure that says maximize profits for the executive and the shareholders at all Costs. They didn't say, wait a minute, yes, we can raise prices a little bit, right? Because things, you know, whatever the case is. No, what they did is they gouged. And as Katie Porter pointed out, uh, Representative Katie Porter pointed out, half of when we got interest, when we got inflation to 9%. Half of that inflation was not because of supply chain issues, was not because of scarcity. It solely was the cause of corporate greed. They attempted to say the price of oil was high because of the war in, uh, in Ukraine along with uh, the Russian-Ukraine war. That was always a lie. That was always false because we, all, we, had a, we had such a glut on the market is that even with the Russian war, Saudi Arabia went ahead and dropped by over a, a million barrels of oil a day. Over, I think it was like two million barrels of oil a day they took off of the market. How can you tell me that there was a shortage because of the war in, uh, in Russia, Ukraine, and at the same time, your, your, uh, OPEC is taking two million barrels of oil off the market to jack the prices up? Of which, when that jack of that price gets jacked up, West Texas crude goes up as well because it's a global market. Now, what we needed to do is force the price of West Texas oil to stay where it was. You know, when 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 capitalism starts to kill people, when it starts to steal from people, when it starts to rob, that is when we should intervene as a group. Yes, we want free markets, but we don't want markets that kill. And what we have is a corporate structure that takes, takes and takes that is what we've got to fight so so again, it works, it works, and, and the economic activity that we're seeing proves that it works. So that's my answer to you, brother um tom c i if, if I, I hope I was clear enough, if I need to clarify something else, please let me know anyway, let's take a look let's let's go ahead and dissect exactly what this jobs report you know how did this explosion in the job report occurred the jobs in the job report occurs and note that even the uh august jobs report was boosted by another i think 40,000 workers or something like that but i want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side
2: the president touting a brand new jobs report shattering all expectations today. Uh, the U.S. economy adding 336,000 jobs in September. That's almost double the 170,000 jobs that were anticipated.
1: My dad had an expression I said, Joey a jobs about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay," and mean it. Well, 336,000 more Americans, if they have children, can say that to their children.
2: All right, I want to bring in NBC's Brian Chung to talk more about this. So you'd think. You see 336,000 jobs added, right? Unemployment steady, 3.8%. Great news. But then you got the market looking at it going, not so much. And then, of course, what's
3: the Fed chair going to (laughs) do? Yeah, well, that was a knee-jerk reaction. We saw the markets go down originally. But now they've rebounded back up. Because I think people are looking at this report and saying we need to remind ourselves that this is a good story broadly, right? No one wants to see people losing their jobs. And what do we see in September? 336,000 jobs added in that month. That was a faster pace than the August number, which by the way, was revised up in this report by about 40,000 to 227,000 unemployment rate at 3.8%. That is still near over 50 year lows. So where do we see the job gains in this report? And where did economists get it wrong so badly? Well, we saw it specifically in leisure, and hospitality. This is code for bars and restaurants adding 96,000 jobs. People are going out to eat. They love going out to eat. That's the reason why we saw that number. Retail trade jobs at the mall adding 20,000. This is ahead of the peak retail season ahead of Black Friday, obviously. But interestingly, look at this. We saw a contraction in the motion picture sound recording in this month's data down 6,000. That's because they surveyed people before the Hollywood strikes were resolved. So that number is essentially going to flip into the positive likely in the next month. So these are all pictures that kind of tell the American economy is roaring from the jobs market side of things. Federal Reserve didn't expect that at this point in time. But again, it seems like markets are saying, broadly speaking, good that our labor market hasn't tanked.
2: The thing is, we're a heck of a lot further away from a possible recession than we were at this time um, last year, right? Last year, we were looking at this and thinking at this time next year, we're going to be inside of a recession. Now you're looking at these numbers and saying we're very far from that. And there's got to be some positive
3: impact on Wall Street with that prospect uh, in mind. Yeah. And for what it's worth, the labor market had been the positive side and remains the positive side of this economy because unemployment is low. But where are things bad? And in the inflation side of things, right? Yeah. 9% yearly rate last year, it's been coming down. But this is where we get in, in kind of a lens into what inflation looks like from the jobs for average hourly earnings growth. How much more are people getting paid in September of this year compared to September of last year? It's a 4.2% bump over that period, which is a bit of a slower pace than the August to August period. And the Federal Reserve might be looking at this and saying that's what we expected average hourly earnings to go down but again to outpace inflation this is above the yearly rate of inflation so
0: that's good news we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand we try to find those little nitpicks where uh it goes it flies above the fray etc if you really like these videos that we do i want to ask a big favor please go ahead number 1 subscribe to our channel and number 2 please join if you can thank you so kindly for watching keep watching please remember to share we must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. Absolutely. So absolutely. Join our, 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 our PDR Posse anyway, folks. So, so yes, as it turns out, the, the, it, we know for a fact, we know for a fact that it is the policies why, unlike any other time in our history, did we have a recovery out of a pandemic like this. This is what we asked Obama to do right after the destruction of our economy by the capitalist thugs that ran the financial sector. We told Obama that the the stimulus package that he and Nancy Pelosi came up with were completely too small given the damage, the wreckage that was caused by these thugs in the financial sector. These thugs in the financial sector wrecked the economy. We had needed to inflate the economy. It took Obama over his entire administration and more to to lift us out of that. And the reason why was simple. We knew that we needed to use Keynesian Keynesian, uh, mechanics to lift the economy out from the damage these thugs did. We didn't, we didn't. Had we done that in 2008, or rather 2009, there would not have been the slaughter of 2010. There would not have been the slaughter that occurred in 2010 where 60 something, uh, the, the Congress flipped by six, I think it was 60 something, uh, congressional seats got flipped, and you know why they got flipped? Because Americans asked the question, "How? Uh, what is going to be really different?" They still loved Obama. They just lo- they they loved the guy, but they just couldn't see. Biden learned that lesson very well. There's one lesson Biden and Democrats and progressives in the aggregate have not learned. And that is the lesson of repetition, repetition, repetition to supersede lies, lies, and lies. Because when the lies go unanswered, they become the truth in the minds of many. And that is what the job should be going forward of all of us in the PDR posse, all of us in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the progressive space. We have got to start telling people the truth, the truth, the truth examples, examples, examples. That's what we've got to do going forward. No doubt whatsoever. All right, let's see what else I got here. This scrolling has been going. Persuasive Barrier says, welcome Persuasive Barrier, says the top 10% of all wealthy pay nearly 100% of all taxes. The top 1% own like 90% of all Wall Street and only paying a fraction of taxes versus everyone else of their paychecks. I love that. Because I always talk about Whenever people like to speak about, let's say, the benevolence of the rich, or about the rich who pays most of the taxes, I think it's amusing, right? It's amusing how enslaved our minds are in, in for many. First of all, if if I if I pick your pocket and I took a thousand dollars and I see you going to the to the poor house and I see you. Wanting a, a buck or two just to get by for that day, after all, somebody ripped off a thousand dollars from you, okay? They ripped off a thousand dollars from you so I need help. And you, the thief that took that thousand dollars away from me, you are, you see me struggling, and you come and you give me a hundred bucks. People would want me to be like, oh, look at what the rich guy did. The rich guy gave that poor soul $100. But how did that rich guy get rich? That rich guy stole from all these poor people that you see in that line looking for help. And when he's handing out a fraction of what he stole from them, he looks like a great guy. Oh, look at all these billionaires donating their monies they are such nice guys. B.S. The economic system was designed to pilfer. And as it pilfers you, right, when they when they come back, they give you a few dollars and then they want you to be thankful. Oh, be thankful that we are giving you some of the money back that we stole from you. Of course, we stole it legally. You know, we paid off the politicians to make the way that we steal from you legal and that's what's done in this country that's what's done in all capitalist countries that have no guidelines to protect the people that's why your medical bills can cost you your home that's why your medical bill can cost you everything that's why uh that's why that's why anyhow uh, as you guys know, uh, the the, the, thug, the former thug-in-chief, Donald Trump, former thug-in-chief, it is found out now that he gave a lot of nuclear secrets to people that go to Mar-a-Lago. And we still have Republicans who believe in national security supporting the guy. By the way, there is a, a piece from um, <laughs> Bridge MCP. Thank you, Bridge, for that one. I love that bingo card. I love that bingo card, but anyway. So it turns out he gives our nuclear secrets to an Australian, and and look at you know what I found uh, uh, found amusing. He gave these secrets, and he gave it about Russian submarines and all of that. You can see what he was doing. It was the expectation that this person would get back to the Russians and all these others and say, "Hey, guess what? I am your spy." Russia didn't even need to come into our coffers; they could. They just needed to go to Donald Trump to do the spying for them so that he'll know all our nuclear secrets, right? Amazing. I mean, that's why I found it amusing when Jason Johnson had this to say. Jason Johnson, as you know, the speakers that the, they're in, in Congress, they're trying to find a speaker. And Donald Trump so far has been considering whether to accept the speakership if they can't come to an agreement. So he's thinking about visiting the Capitol to help them out, to which Jason Johnson had an interesting thing to say about that. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side.
2: But Jason, Mark is forgetting that the great unifier may be making his way to Capitol Hill during this process next week, Donald Trump. Who is that going to benefit?
4: uh the only person that's going to benefit is the democrats and i'm i'm sorry but in in a in a functional democracy the guy Who was responsible for an attempted violent coup should never be confident enough to return to the scene of the crime like this is it's kind of ridiculous that donald trump is walking free at all but the fact that he would feel comfortable to come back to washington dc when just two years ago he led a mob of people to try to murder almost everybody in that room is galling to me and that's something that i think democrats should point out on a regular basis
2: but by that measure it would be absurd for someone who did that to be running for president of the United States. And that's exactly what he's doing.
4: Yes, that's a larger problem. If we, if we had a, a, a more swift and a more aggressive justice system, he wouldn't be in a position to do that. I mean, that, that's the larger problem that we have here. It, it's flaunting the law and flaunting how he really attacked the sort of sovereignty of this nation. So that being said... It would be great for Democrats to point that out. It's not going to do anything for the Republican Party. They have a choice between two terrible candidates. You have Jen Jordan, who is, quite frankly, considered a kook, even amongst conservatives. He's also not very good at raising money. And whoever becomes the speaker at this point, is going to be responsible for raising money and protecting Republicans who are trying to protect their seats in 2024. So that would say Steve Scalise, but Scalise has health issues. Scalise has problems with his own personality. Scalise has his own bad background. So you don't have particularly good choices. If I was forced, I would simply say, look, I would just vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Because on the one hand, you've got Jim Jordan who tried to help with the coup and somebody else who doesn't seem competent for the job.
2: I just can't stop laughing, Jason. He has problems with his own personality. I would just die. <laughs> you know, that's not real rules. She has problems with her own personality. In all, seriousness, in all seriousness, though, Mark, do you see any solution here? Do you think this Hakeem Jeffries idea, Charlie Dent raised it the other night, sort of a power sharing, not necessarily Jeffries specifically, but do you see any solution?
1: Well, I think it'd be a long way to get to something remotely like that. But the problem
3: uh that's pretty clear here is that you have 18 Republicans who were elected in in, in uh Biden districts.
0: Absolutely that is the issue. Again, uh the the old, first of all, having the, the house is going to be flipped next election in 2024. Mark my word. We'll get Jeffries as speaker next election. Uh my concern is still the presidential race uh, because of the electoral college, but also if any of if we want to be very honest with ourselves, and I think we should be, president, uh, president, uh, former president or former thug in chief Donald Trump looks old. He's slurring his words. He's talking, uh, he's misstating quite a bit, but then he's always misstated. We don't know when he's misstating or when he's lying. Mostly he lies. But so does, uh, as far as the looks, Biden looks tired. Uh, Biden looks tired and less energetic. And uh, my fear is too many people are going to look at that. I mean, I look at it. I look at it honestly and I say I wish Biden will just anoint somebody to not anoint, when I say it, that's a wrong word. Uh anoint the masses to go ahead and, and see where we're at, see if there's a possibility of changing because here's what I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe that Donald Trump may burn out before uh the the primaries. It may start falling. I I don't know, but it could. And that a younger person, let's say the governor of Virginia, or uh even maybe uh Chris Christie, you know, could sort of emerge. I mean, I know these are far-fetched ideas that don't have much behind it, but I I, I am just I, I just think about what could happen this cycle. And if that is the case. I'm concerned about that. I am concerned about that. So and I think it's a legitimate concern everybody should look at seriously right now. If you even took take a look at what I showed the the this the clip that I showed of, of President Biden, he looks good. He's collective, he can speak well. But again he looks tired. He does look tired. But anyhow, uh we are gonna have to end this stuff pretty soon uh let me put bridge's picture back on the screen with the expectation that she'll be able to see it this time bridge i hope you can see it this time i had it up before i don't know why you didn't see it before but anyhow um Let's go ahead and say, listen, now that the live stream is coming to an end, Egberto, if you want to understand what Biden is selling off the bar. Yeah, I I got it queued up to look at it as soon as I get off the show. Welcome aboard. Valentor says, bro, saying Biden is mentally fit is like saying Jeffrey Dahmer was a vegan. Not really. Not really. Um, he's Look, the guy is mentally fit. Look at, I mean, I, I don't think the guy has a problem, really. I think there are some other issues. But anyway. My phone pillow has more memory than Joe Biden. I hope you feel the same way about Donald Trump, Valentor. I hope you feel that way as well. But anyhow, folks, please support the program. Uh, we won't be having a Ask Egberto anything tomorrow. Uh, but please go to politicsunright.com slash ask Igberto. And um, I will have the date and time the date updated as soon as I get off the program today. Please support the show by going to slash support slash support you can also support us by becoming a paid member of our newsletter and to do that go to slash newsletter politicsunright.com/newsletter we can't continue to do this without your support uh, let me just tell you, if you want to see some of the work that we do, I'm going to spend one minute over time just to show you some of the work. Because, you know, sometimes folks don't, they just come to the to the show and they don't understand completely all the things that we do. So here is ups, oh, so Let me get that right. I, I need to put this on the screen, on this screen. Bridge, I'm going to get rid of your thing for a second. That is the uh, EgbertoWillis.com blog where I write stories every day, sometimes two, three, four, five stories a day. Uh, all, all the general news I write. Uh, I have columnists that come to the pro- program as well, and they contribute to the website. Uh, so this com is my main blog site that gets distributed all over. There are other people that 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 take it on as well. Included in this website are stints that I did at CNN and all of that. So check it out, EgbertoWillies.com. Check out the entire website. I also keep the website, PoliticsDoneRight.com, which has all the shows, all our interviews, etc. That's kept up here that I do. So uh, that is updated every day as well. And I write the newsletter, SubStack, rather, uh, the newsletter, um, it's not called SubStack. Every, every, every day uh, at five o'clock in the morning, it goes out. And let me get to the base of the newsletter here so you can see what the newsletter actually looks like. And here is Medium. And if you take a look at this, is what we where we have other articles that we present as well. So that is the issue. That is what you're supporting. And of course, the books and everything else that we do. So when you are supporting our program, what you're doing is supporting an entire a multitude of different types of media. So I'm asking you so kindly to please continue supporting what we do. It is very important. You have a wonderful rest of your day. My name is Egberto Willis. Please go to politicsunrightcom newsletter politicsunright.com slash newsletter and again that's what we're here for my name is Egberto Willis this is Politics and Right, and you know how I end this baby I am what oh I-